Box it up. Sacrifice sleepless nights. Praying these supplies pause the pain in puffy eyes. I wish I could fly, take a flight back to my kid's wife. But a better life has a price, right? This my connection from a different continent. That's the content costs more than your common sense. We're sending our hearts. This should come as common sense. So if customs fuck with this, get accustomed to some fists. Yes, I am pissed that my motherland is broken. All of these investors but can't spare a decent token for our people. I see a new condo in the works. But right behind that, another family in the dirt. Uh, Presents overdue. Results of packing overseas. Hoping these help overlook my absence. I am lacking. I've got my doubts, but to prosper with my family is what I am about. So I grind out. Yes, for now. Cry a lot. Let me send a little love through this balik buying box. Haven't been there in a while. Hope I make you proud, knowing these will make you smile. Help me break down all the miles. Some perfume for the missus. A bag of Hershey's to give her kisses. Few toys for the little monsters. Few clothes. Keep y'all looking proper. I ain't gonna lie, her side is doing fine. But I send to her family, she do the same for mine. Blessed with your in-laws. Glad they could stand me. I don't know if y'all know the saying, but Merry Filipinos, Merry the whole family. They're always there, but kailangan ng tulong. So we share the blessings and send pasalubong. Accent thick, but this bond even thicker. Pinoy's love to drink, so I send a little liquor. Turn up, I tape up. This boxing and right. The street, city, country where this heart of mine resides. Pay the fee, send it out, get it on the move. From Izzo with love. God bless. See you soon. Thank you. Hey! I'm just so proud. (laughs) (laughs) These guys have seen me grow up, man. Like, (laughs) Papa, bro. I just want to jump out of my body like buying body. That ain't ain't a good Pasalubong, homie. (laughs) Pulling on the heartstrings right there, man. Thank you, thank you. Hey, with that said, welcome to the second half once more. uh, Here with the regulars, we got Harold on my left here, Dino Peaches, of course. But welcoming our special guest for the night, we got Izzle. Thank you. How you doing? How you guys doing? And we got your man, Eight Limb Sports, Jason Harrison. Yay! What's going on, everybody? Yes, sir. Some quick introductions here. Izzle, of course, a.k.a. Izzle. Ivan Maranin is his uh, legalized name here. Um, Filipino-American artist from the Bay Area. Finding his musical purpose while spending seven years in his motherland, the Philippines. Right? And as you can see from his smooth delivery, that the influence is strong. He gained a lot of uh, not just sense of knowledge, but sense of purpose while he was there. Am I right? That is absolutely correct. Thank you for the intro. I want to welcome Jason, Jason Harrison. It's good to have you, my brother. And I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, fellas. I appreciate absolutely. It. So background, Jason is the co-owner and head striking coach at Studio 925 in yes, Concord. Sir. Yes, sir. Also the sole owner of Eight Limb Sports. Yep. Uh, but you competed also in Muay Thai, if I'm not mistaken. I did. Right? I did. It's yep. been some time, but I, I did compete. Your biggest fight, Jackson Rancheria. You competed under Dino Paktakin. Trained at CSN under Coach K. Yeah. Uh, coach for Glory Kickboxing, professional kickboxing. Yeah, yeah I had uh, coached a couple times on Glory. Yeah. yeah. Coached on Laced Up Promotions, Pro Boxing, and all of that 
plus defensive coordinator at Alhambra High for nine seasons? Yeah, not at the same time, but it, coaching has kind of been my thing over the years. So yeah, well, We're going to get into that. It's, yeah. it's a pleasure to have you here. I appreciate it. Not just that, though. One more thing to his resume. Uh, a brand new dad all over again. Yes, sir. Right. Right. Hey. Right. We're, we're talking it's been six years since we've seen each other, and yeah. a lot apparently has happened. A so, lot has happened. Yeah. I, got, wanna, I have a six-year-old, and then I have a newborn, too. It's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Right on. So that said, excited to have you guys. Thank you guys for being here. We're going to get right into it. Izzle, got to ask you this. What makes music so special for you? Um, this, like what we're doing now. That's honestly what I love about music. And it didn't start off that way. I think for me, I've always had a hard time opening up. I've always kind of been the type to bottle things in. Um, thoughts, emotions, everything. So music was kind of my way to express that freely in a creative manner. Um, I always used to write rhymes, poems growing up. And when I went to the Philippines, that's when I kind of found music as this outlet. Uh, But what I love about it is I always have my friends and family involved, you know, whether it be being on a track or being in a music video, um, performing on stage, um, that's what it is for me, bringing people together. Right on. And you know what? Speaking of uh, bringing people together, I know you were just bringing some people together. Actually, you were brought with some really special people just recently. Can you speak on that recent experience opening for some Filipino OGs? Oh, it was... Like, people don't realize how big of an event or how big of a, I want to say, moment that was. It was this legend, Glock 9. I'm talking, you talk about, like, a legend here, like a like a Jay-Z, an Eminem. That is where he's at in Filipino rap. And not just because he, he makes music, but he actually has a message behind his lyrics, which is why I fell in love with his music. So... To have that opportunity to open for someone like that after I just had a song with him the year prior was just ridiculous. And um, it was just great to see because I was born in the Bay, primarily raised out here. Um, So there's definitely, you could see, not a divide I want to say, but definitely a clear distinction between the Filipinos that were born in the Philippines and came out here and the Filipino-Americans so to even get love from that group was, yeah, it was amazing. Such an amazing experience. That shit looked like an amazing experience. I, I was I was impressed by the by the crowd everyone drew. <clears throat> um, again, it, kind of to what you just said, the the Jay Z of the Filipino hip hop culture. Sometimes people, especially people within the Filipino culture, if you grew up here in the states versus someone who has some knowledge of what it was like in the Philippines. There's a disconnect to what these people did, yeah. but, but definitely it was, it was nice to put them on and get them on the stage over here. So, man, what a, what a fucking surreal experience just it was for you to be on that stage. And even though I wasn't there, I, I got to tell you how much, just how proud I was of you. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know I was going to tear up five minutes into this podcast, but I guess we can go from there. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, have, we'll have some time to tear up here. Um, that said... Moving on a little bit here, for those who don't know, Jason spent a lot of time beating my shins up, so 
sometimes I look at this man, I still don't know how I feel about you. It's all right. Hey, you can feel whatever way you want to, man. <laughs> no, no, no. Much love. You're my homie for life. But uh, that smile on his face the entire time, too? The whole time. It's all stop. Bro, that's the hardest part. And and I'm speaking to anyone that knows this fool and and, and anyone he's ever coached. He doesn't stop smiling. So it fucks with your mind because you're in pain, (laughs) but he's smiling at you. So it just fucks with your mind. And and you're playing some island music while you're getting your ass beat. This this dude got me so much into Fetty Wap. (laughs) I I could not stop pumping Fetty Wap because of this guy. But psychological shit right there. Yeah. <laughs> I try to make sure that my students are, are, are uh, well-rounded <laughs> in the game, whether distracted or whatever it may be. No, Definitely. Just kidding. Just kidding. Definitely, yeah. But Mr. Harrison, could you tell us just what you enjoy most about coaching and training? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's, I feel like I've always had like really good um, coaches in my life um, that have like steered me the right way. And for me, it was football was the first thing. And I really made a commitment to football and being like, you know what? This is what I want to do. Like, I used to tell my dad's best friend, like, yo, I'm going to go play in the NFL. I'm going to go do this. Really, in the back of my mind, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to try my best. And I didn't know any other sports, but I had good coaches um, that kind of helped me along my way to push to continue to play football as long as I could. And uh, eventually that ran out. And when that ran out, I found um, a love for Muay Thai, and I ran into some really good coaches there, too, just been blessed. And one of the coaches that started me off is actually now coaching for us at Studio 95, which is probably, like, one of my favorite things, man, just seeing this guy. And, like, it's completely nostalgic, you know, because the same way he yells at these guys and gives them these, like, crazy analogies that make sense only in Muay Thai. Like, if you say them anywhere else, it's not going to make any sense, right? But it's the same way that I was brought up in learning how to love Muay Thai because I had no business in Muay Thai. I was a football player, right? I came in, I was like 240 pounds. I just was like, I don't need to weigh this much anymore, right? And um, Ronnie just sold me on it. And just having him push me certain days I didn't want to be there AJ, what are you doing today? You coming in? Ah, yeah, I guess I'll come in. And then he surrounded we, me with other coaches that were his friends that were of the similar traits. And I get another text. AJ, you going to run today? You going to hit your miles? Yeah, I guess I'm in. Let's, let's go do it. So I surrounded myself with that. And for me, it's not so much about what I enjoy about coaching. Uh, it's more so what it is that I provide for people, that was, which was what provided for me uh, when I was first learning. So... It's that passion um, that's taught. And so for me, I get enjoyment out of coaching when people, when I see that in people too. They come in and like, I want to learn Muay Thai. Oh, have you ever done Muay Thai? Never. You ever watched a Muay Thai? Never. Okay, that's cool. That's what I like because I want to be able to introduce them into something. And I love the people that already know too because I want to make sure the shit that I know is right too, right? Like I want to make sure that just, I don't get blank canvases, but people that have been around the game and fell in love with the game that I did too. So it it encourages me when I when I get to bring people into the culture. Uh, so that's what I enjoy most out of it. When you got into Muay Thai, what was what was it about Muay Thai that you wanted to get out of it? Um, initially, it was just lose weight, bro. To be honest with you, uh, I just was like, I had a couple friends that were like, "Hey, man, you should try it and do it." And I was like, man, "That's kind of silly to me." Kind of sound like karate, you know what I mean? Like. 
I don't I don't see cats on TV doing Muay Thai. I don't see cats on TV, you know, doing kickboxing. Unless you watched it on YouTube back then, uh, you had to watch it on YouTube. And so <clears throat> the culture is really what brought me in. And I fell in love with it, man. I found myself, like, at I would leave the gym, like, 9 o'clock at night, get home, shower, then get in the bed and be on YouTube. Like, looking at my phone with a screen in my face, you know what I mean? Because that was the only way I could watch Muay Thai. So for me... If I wanted to be a part of the Muay Thai culture, I had to really go out of my way to study it. And so then it, it drove me more to want to do that. And then it became more enticing for me because then it was like, well, it was a matter of what you know. Um, and so when you showed up to the gym the next day, hey, did you see what happened to Bukow last week? You see what happened to Sanchai last week? Right? And if you didn't know, it's kind of like, oh, bro, you're not watching. You don't really, you don't care. Right? But I was that dude. Like, for me, it became like an obsession. Um, and so... That was really what drew me in is that the fact that it introduced me to a new culture when I was used to football culture. It introduced me to some, a whole new world I had no idea existed, but it exists to millions of people, right? Um, so it really captured my attention. Yeah. Hey, we're going to keep this moving, but right before we get over to the next question that you got coming, Harold, I just wanted to say for, for, for those, you guys can't see us because we're on this podcast. But the whole time he was speaking, this dude had a smile on his face. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. But but also, I just wanted to add to that really quick. This dude is the most genuine dude you would ever meet. Even, even you know, at your first instance with him, your very first impression. If you didn't know what Muay Thai was, it's just the fact that this dude coming at you like a defensive lineman talking so passionately about kicking some dude in the jaw. I mean, first of all, he's going to draw your attention because you don't want to be kicked in the jaw. But the way he speaks with passion about what he does, um, I think that's why people gravitate towards him. I appreciate that, man. So so switching gears and uh, going back to Izzo, where do you draw your inspiration from? I think just life in general. I, um, and I don't write every day. Now, you know, it's um, it, it's really become something that I don't have to worry about financially or if I'm catering to a certain demographic. Um, coming back here from the Philippines, one of the issues I had with the Philippines was I was doing great. I was really on the rise. I mean, I was on TV, radio. Um, but I just felt like there was a part of that music that wasn't genuine to who I wanted to be as an artist. Um, I had a couple other people that wanted to guide me or sign me, and it was just going to be strictly money, and that's never what I got into music for to begin with. But coming back here, I told myself, you know, I'm going to do this my way, and I think it shows in my music um, because my inspiration is just life man like I talk about family I talk about my friends um, the struggles we have mentally um, and trying to overcome that so I don't write every day um, I let life I let I let um, the music speak to me I, I'm, I'm a beat writer I, I can't write without a beat and once I get that going that, that's all it is um, but at the same time if somebody comes to me and is like, hey, I need this, and this is the topic, oh, that's that's fun for me. We're just, like, kicking it, you know? Um, so it really just depends. But overall, it's just I write about whatever's on my mind at, the, at this time in life. That's awesome, man. Uh, and I could kind of relate to 
the whole not doing it for the money, right? Like, would I do owning this business uh, as a barber? I love doing what I do, and it's not really about what I make, right? It's about making that connection. So the question I have for Jason is, what are the most challenging elements about owning a gym today? Because for me, owning this, there there aren't a ton of challenges as far as like business goes because, like I said, it's just something I love to do. So what are some of the challenges for you? Yeah, uh, all of it, man. All of it. <laughs> it's, it's good, though. Like, I mean, I, I genuinely enjoy what I do. Um, so... It's a challenge accepted on a daily basis. You know what I mean? Um, walk into the gym and first part of my morning, I get to train people for boxing, right? Which is cool. But then I also have to really organize my day to be able to do administrative work too. Um, for me, it's not all about the coaching um, since the gym aspect is, is a part of what I do and the business is a part of the gym, right? Or the gym is a part of the business, vice versa. Um, so I have to find good balance between wanting to coach all day and having to do administrative work. But then there's sometimes I get in a good workflow with administrative work and then people will hit me up like, oh, I can't make it today where I should be motivating them. Like, you better get your ass in here, bro. You already know what time it is. You know what I mean? But it's a balance. It's a workflow between the two um, because the focus gets split, right? Just like anything else. And and some people will ask me like a question like, you know, similar to what you guys are asking me is, <clears throat> what's easier to learn, boxing or kickboxing or boxing or Muay Thai? And I said, well, neither one's easy to learn, right? But you have to think about in terms of kickboxing and Muay Thai, you split your focus, right? Because you have to learn how to throw elbows. You got to learn how to throw knees, kicks, right? And then you have to turn around and learn how to defend those things, Whereas in boxing, your focus is on your hands and your footwork, right? And so for me, in terms of business, what the most challenging part is, is learning how to, learning when I need to focus on one thing and when I need to split my focus at the same time, because not every day is the same. Quick follow up on that, given your background as as an athlete already, Mm -hmm. um, if you had to kind of rank what's been toughest for you to learn, as, was it learning Muay Thai, like the art and the sport? Mm-hmm. Was it learning how to coach others? Or was it learning how to run a business? Uh, uh, how would you rank uh, those? Man, it was learning how to eat right first. <laughs> Dude, that was the hardest part. Like, you, I mean, you go to any fight gym, bro, and I'll tell you, if it's a real fight gym, all them cats are going to be in there talking about food. You know what I mean? <laughs> the shit we can't eat. Uh, it was challenging. But I would say... Um, and that's a good question. It's just they're they're all so different, and they own they all present their own challenges, and sometimes they present challenges on the same at the same time, right? I got a boxer who might hit me up and say, "Hey, I got this fight, and this I mean this has happened to me, right? Like, hey, I got this fight, and uh, you think you could corner me? And like in a matter of like a couple of days, I'm like, do I really want to fly out of state right now? Yeah, of course I do. I want to go and corner you, but I got to think about my family, right? I got to think about the business I'm leaving behind for a few days and what my responsibilities are for that day. Because I have partners, which is great. And man, we work really well together. But there are certain parts of the gym that they do that I don't do. And there are certain parts of the gym that I handle that they don't do. And so when any of us are gone in the back of our mind, 
we're thinking that job's not getting done. Um, but then at the same time, if you have somebody in front of you that's like, man, I'm ready to compete. We got the contract signed on the dotted line. This person looks like meat in front of us. How do we get to it? You got to make a decision right then and there. And a lot of times it's never just clear cut. It's never like, of course I want to be there. Because of course I want to be there. Of course I want to go. But then I got to look at my wife and tell her, hey, I'm about to leave for a week. you know. And I know that we got a baby. And I know my son, too. Right? By the way, can you help me out with this? And so um, it does provide different challenges to uh, different aspects of what I do. But sometimes they all present themselves in one, one right. challenge. Right. And uh, you got to work through it. Sounds but like um, a, it sounds like a big uh, learning experience. It is. It's a really big learning experience, and and no, no one's perfect. I mean, I get again, I get really good um, advice. I get really good guidance from some of the people that are that are doing what I want to do. That I've got to sit along next to again, guys that coach in the UFC, Mark Montoya. I mean, I've I, this guy, he was coaching on the John Jones card last week. You know what I mean? This guy is incredibly talented coach. Out of Denver, uh, Factory Muay Thai, shout out to them. They're dope, dope, dope school, man. And um, he just sat down with me one day and just kind of like allowed me to pick his brain on things like this. And I couldn't be more grateful for that because he was and is somewhere that I would like to be at some point in time, right? He's figured it out as far as my standpoint. Um, and I know he's continuing to figure it out because in his mind, he hasn't figured it all the way out probably yet. But where I'm looking at, I'm like, yo, man, let me just touch a little bit of what you got. You know what I mean? And he allowed for me to do that um, one time. And I really appreciated that. And so, again, like having those kind of people in your life helps put you through those challenges uh, because they can guide you through. Sounds like you do a good job of giving back to those who have kind of given to you and then also acknowledging that even those who are at the level you want to get to, they're still learners. They're still learning as well, right? I think that's probably like yeah. a common yeah. theme, irrespective of what field you're in. Like you're never done yeah. learning. You're never done yeah. taking inspiration. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's a good segue to a question that I have for you, Izzel, um, which is you were talking earlier about where do you draw inspiration from? Uh, stuff like family and friends and just life as it comes at you. Um, I don't know if you listened to our first podcast. I did. I did. We had a draft. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't listen oh. to it, it was oh, the top man. five rap artists. <laughs> okay. Right? And so we each kind of like span yeah. the gamut of decades. So as, a, as an artist yourself, you know, I can imagine it's tough to come up with new material. How do you keep it fresh and new? Man, you know what's what's been great, I think, for me is... I always loved hip hop. I um, I fell in love. Actually, it was because of my uncle Ryan. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but well, all of you guys used to fuck with me when I was younger. But um, I remember one time I used to see a Jay Z. I would see a Jay Z tape, and I was like, "What is this? This is young, young." And then, um, and this motherfucker said a tape. Yeah, <laughs> get that shit. What yeah, is yeah. And um, the one that really got me, and I probably shouldn't have been listening to it, but he was, I think he went upstairs to Brent's house, and he had Nas, Money Is My Bitch, playing. (laughs) (laughs) Probably something a seven-year-old should be listening to, but... Seven years old? Seven or nine. I saw that. Isn't that the appropriate age? (laughs) Yeah. But... um, Six and over on the the tape. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But when I... 
first heard that, first off, Nas is incredible. And then to hear his wordplay, oh man, I, I fell in love right then and there with just how he would write. Uh, I forgot what the question was. I got so, it. so wrapped up in this. Sorry. So how do you keep it fresh and new, though? Right? Like, so it okay. sounds like drawing from your yes, your definitely. Love I love I love hearing artists where almost like J Cole, like he's not doing that shit. He he makes money, but he's doing it for the art. And when you can hear that in people, oh my god, that inspires me. That's where I draw inspiration. Um, but also even keeping it fresh, I, I don't see myself as even a hip hop artist. Like, if you listen to my music, it's, you got R&B in there, you got pop, you got some... Most is radio. I got a lot of melodies in there. Um, so I don't even see myself needing to stay in a lane, which has really helped me develop overall. I tell Jason all the time, I mean, it's funny, because I'm like, yo, I'm really into, like, Caribbean music right now. I might make a Caribbean vibe song. Um so he has like Burner Boy playing all the time oh, <laughs> while, we're, yeah. while we're training. Afro beats in the gym 24 yeah. Dude, I'm taking the music of Latin American Caribbean. Oh, right man, man. Cool, man. Yeah. Not, not to cut you off, but no, that's fine. can you go back to R&B? R&B is my jam. <laughs> yeah. Um, never did I think I would be writing and performing an R&B track, but I have, a, I have a fire one, man. So we can play it later. It's called La La Land. Um, but again, it's like, not putting yourself in in a box, which is something I learned early in my in my artistry. Uh, people that mentored me, Noah Lazarus and um, Flava Maddox, they they came from New York, and he's all over the place. Like he can make any type of song, and he told me that. He said, "Don't ever put yourself in the box. Why would you do that? Like you're just limiting yourself as an artist, as a person." And um, that's how I keep it fresh, listening to different sounds. Picking up different things, even just ad libs from the Migos, you know, just stuff like that. I really find those small little things in music now, and I think you can hear that in my music now. Um, and that's just kind of how I keep it fresh. So it's channeling what you hear too and what you experience. Yeah, and making it your own. When um, when should we expect the Izzo country album then? <laughs> My brother actually really got into country, so... Country, you got to sleep on country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was saying it for real. Can't sleep on country. But I was going to say about uh, a few things about Izzel, not so much about keeping it fresh and new, but first of all, to, to everyone that's listening to this cast, thank you, big ups. Thank you for your support. But if you haven't figured it out yet, Izzel is who uh, released our intro. So thank you for doing that, man. That's fire. That was my pleasure. Um, thank you. Yeah. The, you know, I can't read this dude and this dude turned it around in like 12 hours. So thank you for doing that. Oh, yeah. Bay vibes with a whole lot of laughs. Kicking knowledge on the new podcast. Dad vibes, but we run it with glass. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. Yeah, it's the second half. Hey, it's the second half. Kicking knowledge on the new podcast. Listen up, show love, homie. It's the second half. I think music, one thing I will really say is it made me develop tough skin. Like I, I really had I really had to come to terms where like no matter what you do, good or bad, 
somebody's not gonna fuck with you. You know, like can't please everybody. Yeah, like one of my one of my lines early in my career was like, um, even Jesus had haters. Like, no matter what you do, somebody is not gonna feel what you're doing. But when you put something out, you have to expect criticism. It's that's just how it is. You know, you're putting it out into the world. What do you do with that criticism? There's, there's, you're gonna find lessons. You're gonna find little things if you don't take it to heart and you actually listen to what people say. There's things. There's always something you can you can develop better. There's always something you can grow. So, I appreciate it, man. I I don't want anything but your honesty. I I love the fucking positive energy. What I would do with that criticism, though, having him here, I would take that fucking criticism to my Muay Thai coach. And let him <laughs> So, so it sounds like you channel feedback and criticism as a learning experience to prep for whatever you're doing next. Shifting gears then, in terms of prep, Jason, how do you prep a fighter, right? You talked actually about prepping your family for when it's time to go yeah, away and, yeah. and, and, and train, right? right. Um, but what's your outlook going into that when you, you, know, you have a fighter? Yeah, so I mean, once, <laughs> once the family is good with me, you know, doing what I have to do, and they normally are, like I said, man. I'm, I'm blessed to have the family I have, but it's a lot of work to go into prepping a fighter because um, there's a lot to it. You know, you have to understand that you're putting someone's life kind of in risk, in a sense. Um, and so that preparation going into it is pretty key. And um, a lot of times, some of the guys that I train especially some of the novice guys that have interest in training, I'm sure to let them know, you know, exactly what goes into this. And for me, it's important because it's the way that I trained. And um, I've, again, I, I keep touching on the, the fact that I had good coaches in my life, but I had good coaches um, in two different points of my career and with two different perspectives of training. And so that gave me, two different perspectives to work with, right? Those perspectives. And so um, working with uh, Coach Dino, uh, Pactacon, man, he just was like a technical machine, man. And um, in the Bay Area, I tell people this all the time, we are like super blessed with the like amount of Muay Thai legends we have just around us at Reach. I mean, you have Combat Fitness and Conquered with Sir George Tsutsui, right? Really big name out here. You got Woodman Jim Johnsonon, who just opened up Woodman Jim in San Francisco. Johnsonon was Dino's coach, uh, Pactacom's coach, and he's who turned Dino into a Fairtex champion. And if you don't know Fairtex, Fairtex is basically the Nike of Muay Thai. Uh, it's like one of the biggest sporting brands that you could think of in Thailand. And um, to be a Fairtex champion, especially out here in America, it, was, it makes it means something. And um, all these guys are within our reach, and you got like Pack Ring, who has um, uh, what's his name, uh, Coach Ganyao, to just another legend. And all these guys are again within arm's reach. So with Dino, I got to touch on like traditional Muay Thai technique. Like you better know how to clinch, right? You better have good posture. Your kicks better be turned over on things like that. And he harped on it. And if he didn't. He had a pad upside your head, a leg upside your head. You know what I mean? Like you were looking up at the ceiling from sweeps. Like it's crazy, right? And it encouraged me 
to want to learn technique. And then I started to really learn how beautiful the sport was. So for me, technique is a big deal going into preparation. If I don't feel as though your technique is where it should be, you're probably not going to compete just yet. Not to say you don't get to compete, but in a safety sense, I know some of these guys that are really, really obsessed with technique. And if you run into somebody like that, I'm going to feel bad if I feel like you weren't prepared, right? So Coach Dino always made sure that, like, technically-wise, we were sound. You know what I mean? Like, he was honest about everything. He was one of the coolest cats, man. Like, this dude was – he was a B-boy. This dude used to B-boy for, like, Aaliyah, B-boy for Cisco. Like, legit, man. And we would be in class, bro, and he'd be throwing head kicks and then doing, like, a (laughs) six-step box step right afterwards. And, like – or a head spin flare. And you're like, yo, that's kind of clean, dog. Like, I try something. But, like – he just, um, that was the kind of person he was, you know, and everything he did was technically sound. And then when I went to CSA, the preparation was a little different. Um, those dudes were like monsters, bro. They were killers. Like, if you weren't conditioned, they were going to put you away. If you didn't have a skill set, they were going to put you away. And they were going to expose you. And it kind of changed my mindset to like, okay. I got the technical sense down, but now I got to make sure, like, physically I'm prepped. Mentally, I'm taking this serious. So then that aspect now plays into how I train my guys. Okay, we've learned enough technical sense. Okay, let's strategize and let's make sure that physically we're prepared for whatever it is I'm asking you. Because, I mean, there's nothing worse, right, than getting your ass beat and trying to defend yourself. And you know how to defend yourself. But you just ain't got the gas, right? Like, I mean, it's just, it's a it's a unique feeling. And not a lot of people know what that is, right? To say, shit, I got to stay in here for three minutes with this person. Just for one round of sparring. I got to stay in here for three minutes without quitting. No matter how tough that dude is across from me, right? And I learned a lot of that at CSA because, again, everybody there had the same mindset. And, um, one of my, I mean, one of my favorite stories I tell people um, from CSAs, I, it was like my first day there, and I'm like, all right, it's cool. My buddy Chase had like invited me. He's like, man, you should come. You know, I think you'll do okay over there. I'm like, all right, for sure, let's try it. You know, whatever. I was like, kind of fresh off a fight, so I felt good, like conditioning wise. I felt good technique wise, and I went out there. First thing we did, go hit like a mile down a down a like this parkway, and come back. And I'm like, all right, cool, whatever, mile, not big deal. Then. We hit like these long ass sprints, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm getting a little tired. <laughs> like, yeah, like, what, what are we doing out here, right? And then we get inside, and coach is like, all right, we're gonna get together, we're gonna do partner pad work. And I'm like, God damn, okay, we just been here for two hours, right? And I'm hanging with it, we're sparring, and I'm, I'm doing okay. And then he gets to a point where he's like, okay, I want um, Jay, I want you to go with uh, Gaston, right? And this kid, Gaston, trained under coach. And I was just like, all right, this kid's like 150 pounds. Like, I'm like, why? Like, okay, whatever. Cool, whatever. And he's t- he gets to go into a speech. And, like, we've been sparring already at this time. And all of a sudden, he wants to go into a speech. And I'm like, oh, okay, go into a speech. And he's like, all right, if your partner says, you know, you're hitting too hard, whatever, calm down. Like, I just want you to know you got to have this. you got to have that, right? And so I'm kind of like, okay, cool. We're getting started. I look at the dude, I'm like, all right, touch up. And kind of how you say he smiles at me, right? And it was, it was, uh, this is like so memorable to me because it was a learning point. He was super cool with me up until that bell went ding. 
And that smile went away. He touched gloves, and that 150-pound man proceeded to beat the shit out of me. And, like, I was like, yo, I was like, what just happened just now? You know what I mean? Like, dude, I'm like I'm like 185, you know? And I, I'm feeling good. Like, bro, I hit my miles. I'm good. Yeah, right, bro. I've never been, I've never had anyone just, like, make me quit in sparring. And, uh, dude, he ripped me a new one, this 150-pound kid, and... Hey, I'm going to fucking fight some Bellator now. So if y'all want to try me, you better come find me. But I'm just letting you know, man. That, so it was like it was a work ethic. Three, four hours, you say? It sounds like. Yeah, it was a couple hours. A full train is a couple hours. But, I mean, the work ethic is is what really came of it. And no matter what kind of technique I had, if I didn't have the gas, it made no difference. And he was sharp. And he was delivering all kind of kicks, push kicks combos i couldn't stop i'm just looking at stuff come at me like what am i doing here what am i doing you know but i had a choice right at that point in time i could be like i don't want to do this but then i was like you know what this is just a different part of my game that i'm not proficient in yet and so for me i don't want my guys feeling like i felt in that moment right or i tell my guys you never want to go into something feeling unprepared so if i'm hitting you up if i'm bothering you it makes no difference to me because at the end of the day, you're going to know that you were prepared for this. Because, again, this is a dangerous sport. And for something like that, for you not to be prepared and taking a chance is something that I don't do. Um, and, again, it comes from those two perspectives of having really good technique and really good work ethic when it comes to this. Yeah, there's no yeah. such thing. Other than injury, probably no such thing as over-preparation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If I can offer any advice to, to people that want to compete and that look into going to preparation, I would just say – Watch film, study films of people that are doing what you're do- that you want to do, and build your build your sense of like character from that. Like there would be days that I would be going, I would go home and I'd watch Bull Cow and I'd watch how he would bully people, and I would go to practice the next day and do the same thing. I would just practice something different, all the same techniques but just a different style, like a different person. And then I would go one day and go watch Sanchai, and I'd watch how he'd do all his fancy tricks and sweeps and catches and cartwheel kicks that Joe Rogan talks about, you know what I mean, the UFC. They talk about Sanchai. Not a lot of people even really know who Sanchai is, but they talk about this guy, and you're talking about a face that's in Muay Thai, right? And so I would encourage people to just study film, man. Just go and watch someone and emulate that because that's, like, the first real, like, decision you've made to like be passionate about this is you, when you start emulating people right? yeah and, and even I'll, I'll speak on jason i mean i got into muay thai because my uncle was like yo you want to join ufc gym jason ended up being the trainer i've been training with jason i just got back to training with him he trains my kids too um and it's technique man like i love his attention to detail because even when i'm going and i'm just trying to like burn um Jason will stop me and, yo, put your elbow up a little bit. Cover your face. If you don't cover your face, Jason's going to slap the shit out of you with the pad. So you got to make sure you're covering it up. Um, but to see that attention to detail and then the passion that you have, man, like it's infectious. Like my IG, I think half is music, half is fucking Muay Thai at this point. <laughs> like I know Boakow, I know Senshai. I follow, yeah, one championship, all of that. like, And that was because of you, man. So um, I, I just want to give you some love because 
you your passion definitely is so infectious, and I think my uncle can speak on that too. Hell yeah, I can. I mean, Appreciate it's, it, it's uh, you know, just just to to kind of rewind back when when we were training with Jason, that shit was fucking intense. Uh, best shape of my life ever, my man, my ever. Um, in fact, so much so, you know, my wife, Rianne, she gets on me now because she's like, why can't I not get you to diet? When you were training with Jason, you anything he said, you did. And I was like, I don't know if I would beat my ass. That's, that's, a, that's the difference. Yeah, it was hard work on both our parts, man. I wanted to see the progress, too. You know? I, wait, I wanted to see it, too. I feel uh, like if you don't hate your trainer, then your trainer isn't training you. Oh, yeah. Hey, Word, right? sure. I allow people to cuss at me. Whatever you got to do. Whatever gets you through. I used to do the same stuff, man. I used, <laughs> I used to complain, but I'd be doing that shit. You know, yeah. you just... You figure out people work their way through it different ways. And, you know, as a coach, you got to allow people to do that because it's one thing to uh, to have somebody who complains and doesn't do it. But if you got a motherfucker complaining and they show up on time and they put in the effort that they're supposed to put in and get out of it, what do I have to complain about? I know why you complain and this shit sucks, right? But gotcha. um, I think that it's okay for people to express however they want to express as long as they're getting the work done. Like, that's how I feel as a coach. Like, it's just, it's not that big a deal to me. You know, I'm not a sensitive type where you got to answer me a certain way. You got, as long as you're doing what you're supposed to, I could care less. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, that's all I can ask of you, you know? Man, it sounds like. You got to be mentally tough to train with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you got to be mentally I tough mean, to do it. You got it that physicality you got to go through. You got to run, run how many damn miles did y'all do? One mile? One mile in five minutes? That was the warm-up, man. That was the warm-up. That was the warm-up. The mile was the warm-up, man. Man, yep. Yeah. Mentally physically damn you got to check all that stuff with you yeah it's It's a matter of safety man it's like i said for me i love the passion that people have that they get from when they they learn from me but um at the end of the day i want you if you left training with me and you went somewhere else and trained i want you to be able to hold your own that's my that's my goal if somebody should be able to like, yo, you've trained somewhere else. I can tell where people, where pe- when someone else is trained somewhere, I go, okay, you know, you got a little technique to yourself. So when you leave me, I expect the same type of thing. You know, I want you to go and be able to take that skill anywhere you go. I like that. I like that. All right, let, let's uh, switch it up now. All right, Izzel, I got a question for you, man. Um, what makes you different from the rest of the artists out there right now? I think... A huge difference I see, <laughs> honestly, like coming back, because I was in the Philippines for seven years. That was crazy. And it was college, college going into adult life. So, I mean, my uncle knows me. You guys know me. I was, I was, I was a pretty shy kid. You know, I was kind of to myself, just loved to play ball. And that was it. And I got that from all of you guys. True. Um, so, I think what makes me different is that experience of being a Filipino-American born and raised in California who fucking moved to the Philippines, completely opposite of what you hear. Um, so my American, my Philam friends, sometimes they have a hard time relating to, you know, that music I make. And when I'm with around Filipinos from the Philippines, just like that big event, you can also see that disconnect. Uh, but what I think makes me different is even though I have these clear differences, I'm able to relate to everybody. Um, 
and now being a dad too just kind of puts another notch on my belt and I'm able to just I think what I'm able to do is make music that's from my heart and from what I'm thinking my emotions and for whatever reason I'm able to connect to people um so I think it's that connection and just kind of staying grounded again I don't I'm not even looking at the financial side of this anymore and I think it reflects in my music because now it's just people that are able to kind of gravitate towards it and relate. Um, I think what also makes me different is I don't make one type of music. Man, the last release I had, Chop Chop, probably my favorite track I have ever made. And I don't even consider it a song. It's an experience. It's half a song. The second half of that song is just self-affirmation and a breathing exercise. Like, who the fuck does that, you know? Um, but that's kind of how I am. And I think, especially now with mental health being such an, uh, such an issue and something we really target to understand better, that's kind of what sets me apart, being able to just kind of flow with everything. So you got, like, the best of both worlds out here and in the Philippines and then having kids now pretty much widen your range yeah a lot more right yeah and it's something i had to come uh, to terms with like again not everybody's gonna understand you not everybody's gonna fuck with your music but when they see you being so passionate about something you know people people feel that you know um and yeah it, it just helps it helps me understand my audience which is basically anyone at this point i could definitely relate to that um in the barbering industry, you know, I'll put out some stuff and yeah, not everybody's going to relate to the way you cut hair, but they can relate to your passion and the way you feel, the relationship you build with that person. So yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I totally understand where you're coming from when you talk about your music. Yeah, because people stick with a barber for years, man. Like, that's really how it is. That's your homie after a while, you know? So This dude right here, this dude is, uh, this dude is the, the legacy barber right here. You know, get, get you at that uh, dad bod moment. Get that kid, get that grandkid, the legacy barber. Uh, but, you know, to what you were saying and what just Harold just reiterated, it's funny because hearing that, it actually makes me think of... Um, uh, Jamel Hill's show, Unbothered. You know, in that show, she always defines what unbothered means. And I really love her definition of that. Unbothered to her isn't the fact that you don't care. It, you do care. You care about what you care about. You just don't care about how people care about what you care about. So it. It, it seems like that, to me, is what you're, you know, that's what I'm, what I'm taking from what your explanation is about, just how you drive that music and, you know, share their experiences through the music that you're putting out. Yeah. I think, I think uh, what's most impressive for me, having known you as long as I have, is the mature, like maturity and experience means getting to a point where shit doesn't phase you, that thick skin you were talking about. And that can only come when you've, you know, done the reverse migration and actually gone back to the motherland when nobody else does that. And am I tripping, but didn't I meet up with you out in the PI, like, when you were out there? Yeah, we did. Right? We did. And so, like, I was tripping, like, wait a second. That's I, right. I, I remember I forgot that about because, that. I remember because, like, you were kind of, yeah, I mean, I guess soft-spoken, like, when you're around older guys, right? That's kind of natural. But, like, to hear you speak now and to, like, have such confidence and maturity of your own experiences and to wear that 
like that's very impressive to me, right? And it's it's night and day when I kind of think about like meeting <laughs> up with you back there. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go visit you know Ryan's nephew, go hang out. He's out there, and then it dawned on me when I was out there, like, yo, wait a second, he left to come out here and like leave his life and go to school and like start a new kind of new chapter in his life. So I don't know. I, I think I just wanted to comment on that. Like maturity kind of comes through, you know. Um, yeah, and it was it was a trip, man. Like. Uh, maybe because I was so sheltered here, I had my uncles, I had my grandmother, who me and Ace were just talking about. Um, my family is like, that's everything to me. So here I had everyone, and to like move to the Philippines, I was still with family, but it's not the same. I was with my Uncle Ryan and my, my Uncle Art like every weekend for a long time. These guys raised me basically with my stepdad. So to be out there and to try to figure everything out, um, it was tough, man. But like, and I wasn't living in like posh, beautiful. I was in the, I was in, I was in the ghetto. <laughs> like it was, yeah. it so was, was rough. Yeah, I was out there. Yeah, like <laughs> people doing drugs right outside. Like people getting stabbed, murdered on our street, street next to us. Like you grow from that shit, you know. Like you, there's no way around it. It's either you grow or you you die. Like, um, so that. That experience, even with the help of my family, you know, financially, I was in college, but it was still, man, like being away from everybody you know, besides my brother and I, that not only made me a man, it, it got me closer to my brother. So I, I, I really am blessed to have had that experience. And so it made you open up a lot more with your brother? Yeah. Toughen you up a little, maybe. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think I think we started to understand each other because he he came out when he was sixteen, so he was that guy is up. way bigger than you. <laughs> yeah, he's. Have you seen my brother? He's about six. Yeah, six one, six two. Big dude too. Plays big man. Like, you so. only got one brother, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's right. That's right. I met him at birthday. Oh, um, so we kind of grew up. We both kind of grew up out there. You know, it was dope. It was dope. Nice, nice. Yep. All right, Jason, um, what are some uh, notable fighters you have right now? Um, notable fighters I got right now, man. I got uh, Richard Chavez, who's been working with me for the last, like, five years, man. And this dude, you talk about, like, work ethic. You know what I mean? It's just a person you can't, like, get out of the gym. Like, you say overtraining. There is, there is, there is overtraining. Right. And uh, but Richard always teeters that line. He's somebody that does not have to. I don't have to um, ask what he's doing. I already know. Right. Richard probably text me right now. Tell me, coach, I just got done doing my three. All right. Cool, man. Good. You know, or he'll call me coach. I know I couldn't make it today, but uh, what do you want me to do tonight? Right. I don't have to worry about him. So, you know, you, you don't get <clears throat> not everyone's like that. You know, not everyone's like that. And. Not everyone has to be like that, right? Uh, because you get a lot of guys that are, like, super talented in this thing. And not to say Richard's not talented because he is, but um, that don't believe that they have to do that kind of work. And so Richard's just a special guy who who's doing his best to mix the talent that he has with the work ethic that he has. And, nice um, dude, too. Yeah, super man. Super nice. Just I call him Senior Chavez, Senior <laughs> Senior Chavez, man. He comes in sometimes he's got a thick ass mustache, Salvadorian dude, man. But one of the coolest cats, you know. You'll meet down to earth guy, you know. And uh, but 
You He'll catch your ass, huh? You said senior senior Chavez, not dirty, not dirty, yeah, not, dirty. <laughs> not dirty Sanchez, <laughs> senior Chavez. You talking about the wrong wrong stuff, man? Come on, man. Yeah, you talking about the wrong stuff? It's a family show. I heard it's a family show. Yeah, hey, I, you know what I'm saying? Let's say we can set something up. You can come tell him. No, Richard, Richard would he probably laugh with you, bro? He would. He's a good guy, man, and. uh He's a hard worker, and he's going to be fighting in May, which I'm excited about because um, he hasn't gotten the chance to to compete since before COVID. And um, this guy, I mean, the fighters that I have, um, they're willing to just take on these challenges. And I um, I appreciate him for it because, again, I know what goes into this and the, the risk you put yourself at. Uh, the amount of work that goes into it just for six minutes, right? Three two-minute rounds uh, for some of these amateurs. And Richard is one of those guys just, like, gives everything before he gets there. So I never got to worry. But um, – and then Tati, Tatiana is, like, it's like my baby, dude. Like, you know what I mean? She was the first person really in boxing that I got to coach um, and really – test myself because she was a far better boxer at the time when I met her than I was a boxing coach. I had coached Muay Thai guys and stuff, but she was a far better boxer than I was a boxing coach. Really, and, really quick, yeah. what's, what's her full name, her, her fighting name, so for uh, everyone listening out there? Tatiana Almarez, Tatiana Tank Almarez, and uh, man, dude, she's every bit of like five foot, five foot two, and hits like a grown man, and I just remember one day I was <clears throat> at Fight Corps Gym in Martinez, and uh, I'm in there training some people, and, and this, this young lady walks in, and she starts hitting the bag. And I'm like, yo, who is that? <laughs> Who's that hitting this bag, dude? Like, what is going on, right? And so I, I go over to her and say, hey, I said, man, you are tearing that bag up. I said, what's up? Like, you, you train, whatever. And she was like, yeah, you know, I'm out of shape right now. I tore my ACL. And I'm just getting back into it. And I'm like, okay. You know, I said, well, you know, my name's Jason. Like, if you're interested in getting back into fighting shape, let me know. You know, I, I would love to work with you if you if you want that. And so she was a little hesitant at first, as, you know, a lot of boxers are. A lot of, a lot of competitors in the fight where you have to be because you just don't know. Like, anybody could be offering advice to you or anybody right. could be right. saying that they could show you this or show you that or want to show you this or want to show you that. And so... She was a little hesitant, but I was just like, you know what? It's no pressure. Just show up. I'm going to give you the times. If you want to be there, be there. And she showed up and just never stopped. And, I mean, she went, she's going to hate me from saying this, but she went from when she when I first met her, she, Tachi was probably like 140, dude, on like a 5'2 frame, 5-foot frame. But she had just come off an injury and a few other things that happened in life, whatever. But then when she got that bug back, man, it was just like no stopping her. You know, and this young lady ended up moving from Cali to Atlanta, um, getting her first pro fight out there. And then we just fought in South Carolina two months ago. She got her second pro fight. And now she's going to be coming back here, back to California, because she wants to like complete her training out here um, at the end of the month. And uh, I'm super excited for her because I've just seen her overcome so much. Um, young lady that's been boxing since she was 15 years old, well-decorated amateur career, well over like 40 fights in her amateur career. 
So she wasn't someone who you could really waste time with, right? I had to make sure I came correct um, and that I still come correct, right? Because her career path relies on that. And so she has just been someone who has pushed through incredible injuries. Like, again, when I first met her, she was tore ACL. Then when we were sparring, man, she was she was a uh, tearing this girl up, dude, in, in San Jose, bro. Like, there ain't no other way to put it, man. And God, and she just, she slipped, she slipped on a punch, and it just was a misstep, and she ended up blowing her ACL again on the other knee, right? And so that was a whole thing, right? You talk about the mental aspect. How do you come back from, this is the second blown ACL, and I just got back to where I was basically yeah. before, right? And uh, my heart just dropped for her. And, uh, but at that time, I had to, I also had to like, before I could pick her up, I had to pick myself up, right? Because a lot of people don't realize like, we feel the same shit as coaches. We feel everything that you feel, right? Because we're with you. And so when that happened to her, I was just like, man, Tati, like, all right, we're gonna get through this. Like, don't worry. This is what you have to do. So we stayed on our doctors. We're just like, hey, you need to call every day, get an appointment to see if you can get a a surgery scheduled. And, I mean, we still did. I think we still had, like, we had an interview with uh, ITR Boxing, with Lukey Boxing, um, really good guy. And he kind of came in, and while we were training, we used to have to train her off an exercise ball. I I would have her sit on an exercise ball, and I would sit on an exercise ball so she wouldn't have to be on her feet. But we would still work pads, right? Because I said, at the end of the day, Tati, if this is what you're going to do, you're going to have to work through injuries, right? Because when something becomes a part of your life, life becomes a part of what you do. Mm-hmm. And so that happened to her. Life just happened to her a couple times. And um, <clears throat> she, I remember she called me because I was like, Tati, don't stop fucking calling the doctors, dude. Because she would call me every day. They don't have an appointment, Jason. I'm, gonna, I'm leaving to go on vacation. I said, you're on fucking vacation. You better call the doctors, dude. You guys know with Athens and stuff like that. You put in an order for something, you got to sometimes call them, remind them, like, yeah. hey, listen, what's going on with this? What's going on with that order that I put in, right? So I would tell her, just don't stop calling, right? And I I can't remember where we were, man, but she had called me and was like, Jason, you won't fucking believe it. And I was like, what? She goes, I got an appointment, right? And I'm like, oh, my God, that's the best news you could tell me. Because she was just ready to be like, I'm going to handle it the way I did the first time. It took her two years the first time to recover because... She didn't have somebody really pushing her to be like, yo, shut up, get this stuff done, stop worrying about what you can't control, and just be on them. And so finally she got through, and she recovered. I mean, right before she left to ATL, she was just about like 100%. And uh, two, two pro fights in now. And you're just like, dude, that's it. That's the story, right? Like, there's plenty of people that are going to do the same thing you do and you're going to have something to be like, yo, listen, I overcame this. And I'm still going. This is the beginning. Like, right now, the way we feel about Tati is like, this is the beginning of your career, right? Like, you've already gone through what most people will quit in. Like, in your amateur career, you had these two major injuries, and you're still like, you know what? I'm here. And your career just only began. Yeah. Um, so her and Richard, man, are uh, two really, really good boxers that uh, I appreciate having around. And... Those are probably my two biggest fighters right now. I mean, I've coached 
a mini amateur fighters. I coached uh, Sean Choice, who's one of my best friends. Coached him on Glory uh, two times, which was really cool. I got to, that was a really good experience. I got to coach um, in Miami on Glory when like Alex Pereira was really like a nobody, and I'm like calling people back home like, "Yo, watch this dude! Like this motherfucker's coming, bro!" Like, and he wasn't even in the UFC yet. He was he was fighting on Glory. Him and Izzy Adesanya. So Izzy Adesanya, if you guys know who that is, obviously it's a guy he just beat. These guys are such world class strikers um, that they took the same pathway, right? They fought on Glory track. They fought three times before this. But all of these guys that they were fighting on Glory were whooping their ass to begin with. Like Izzy lost. A lot of times on Glory, bro, he was getting beat up by like Jason Wilness, like this black dude from the Dutch league, looked like a Ninja Turtle, bro. Like you're like, you're like looking at this dude, you're like, damn, they got dudes like that in, in Dutch land, right? Okay, brother, I see you. You know what I mean? But he's whooping ass, bro, and he whooped Izzy, and then Izzy came back, and he was like, nah, I got to get this right, and he fought his way through Glory, and then you had Alex Pereira a few years later do the same thing. He lost a couple times, but then he just blew through guys. I mean, like. I've never seen knockouts like that in my life, you know. Um, and I got to be a part of some of those shows thanks to my boy Sean, and um, got to. That's when I mar- met Mark Montoya, too, because I got to be his second corner uh, for one of the fights, and then I was a lead corner, and Matt Brown was my second corner for a second fight, which was really cool. That was another experience that just was like, I don't even know how the fuck that happened, but it happened, right? And you take advantage of it. So that's why I say I'm blessed in some of these, in some of the senses of like the people I've met. Um, but you know, Sean choice, Tati, Richard, um, I've coached guys that like played in the NFL that wanted to start doing this stuff and just wanted to take a chance. I'm like, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. And they've won. Right. So it's, it's been a really cool ride. Um, but as far as right now, my notable fighters be Richard and, uh, Tati, man, that really, really proud of. And my two guys that are going to be competing next week too, of course, uh, nice. Matt and Kevin. So we got some guys that are competing Muay Thai right, next week. Out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Matt Lee and, uh, and Kevin Christensen, man, they'll be competing in Sacramento March 18th, representing the first strikers to represent studio nine, two, five, um, at a PMT. Hey, so we're, su- we're super excited about yeah. that. Um, these guys are going to go in there and, and, you know, show some of their good technique and, and come out with some dubs, you know, and at least experience. So that's there our, that's our plan. There it is. So to follow up on, uh, what's new, um, is what, what do you have planned for the future? You know, any new songs, new performances coming up? What, what do we expect from Izzle this year? Yeah, I actually have a, I have a performance coming up on Sunday, March 12th, and um, this is going to be at Fremont Pavilion. It's it's uh, an event called Vibe Cella. Um, they're going to have a bunch of vendors out there, food and goods, and they'll just have a stage, which which I love. I love the small or, or like the more organic events because you're able to just kind of connect to the audience a lot more. Um, really quick, Sunday... March twelfth, yeah. Vibechella in Newark. Yes, Newark Pavilion. Thank you, thank you. Yes, and I, um, I get on at three, but it's it's crazy. Their lineup's amazing. Um, so I have that, and then on May nineteenth, I'm also opening for um, an act called Almost Music. Huge in the Philippines. They really have that nice fresh sound that we have now. Um, so I'm opening up there, and yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to be performing a lot more this year. Um, a lot more of that and a lot more music. I have a follow-up to my Phil Lamb EP, which kind of detailed my time in the motherland. This time around, I'm going to talk about 
you know, all the experiences I have now here back in America. Um, and then just a bunch of radio friendly sounding hits too. So yeah, big two, 2023 for me. So again, this Sunday, Vibe Cella, Newark. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Be there. Be there. Check this dude out. Give your boy some love.